This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. This is the BBC. This is Under the Weather from the BBC. With me, Claire Nazir and Simon King. In this podcast, we'll be joined by a range of experts as we answer some of weather's most interesting and challenging questions. In this episode... How long could we survive without ice? People will have to move. Agricultural patterns are going to change. It'll have big changes on people. It'll take a lot of attention, a lot of our financial resources to do that. Under the weather from the BBC. Ice is a massive thing in our Earth's climate. It's a big reflector of solar radiation. It keeps us alive, basically. So if we get rid of all the ice... What are the implications that's going to have on the atmosphere? Does it mean it's going to warm up even further? You know, we're going to have a positive feedback? Do you know, I have to say, that positive feedback mechanism, I don't like that phrase because it sounds like it's a positive thing. Oh, yeah. And it's absolutely detrimental to the atmosphere and global circulation. Yeah. Why is it called positive? Because it it re-enhances the the, process. It's encouraging it more, yeah. We talk about climate, we can also talk about weather. So when sea ice forms, much of the salt gets pushed into the ocean and that's cold water that's dense water and it's heavily saline and it's that dense saline water which then sinks very quickly down to the bottom of the ocean and you get this circulation evolving and that's what we've seen over hundreds if not thousands of years so this arctic bottom water tends to drift down towards the equator and then you get another ocean current which ribbons around meanders around it's a conveyor belt of warmer less saline water part of it which is our Gulf Stream. So what happens if that's cut off? What happens if the saline, dense cold water is cut off because all the ice has melted? The fresh water. The fresh water, yeah. yeah. So will the Gulf Stream go? Mm. And what happens to places such as Scotland, which really benefits from that Gulf Stream? Is it going to get colder? Is there going to be stronger winds, more precipitation, less precipitation? You know, there's so many questions out there. And if, if you think about equivalent of the latitude from, say, Scotland to Newfoundland, they have a completely different climate, even though their latitude is exactly the same. So there's lots of questions. You delve deeper into this and there's more question marks. Ice is another thing as well in terms of sea level change. If you have glaciers, uh, ice sheets, they, they melt we're going to see the sea level rising. Now a really interesting experiment that you can try this at home and this hopefully gives you an understanding of the ice. Am I going to be in a bath with loads of ice cubes? Because I'm not doing that. Uh, you can do it that okay, way if you want right, to do it that okay. way. But I want you to get two glasses, yeah. one empty, mm-hmm. one half filled with water. Pop an ice cube into each of those glasses and then just watch them melt. Now, the glass that had the water in already, you'll notice that the level in the water doesn't rise. But then the empty glass will then suddenly have a puddle of water at the bottom of it. Now, that's really important because... The Arctic, of course, is sea ice. So when we look at the Arctic melting, that's not going to add to the sea level rise. But what is going to add to the sea level rise is the glaciers, the Greenland ice sheets, any ice that's basically on land. 
And someone who knows all about this is Henry Pollack. Henry is Professor of Geophysics at the University of Michigan and wrote the book A World Without Ice, which details how climate change is impacting on our world. He was also part of the team who authored a report by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which was awarded the 2007 Nobel Peace Prize with Al Gore. Henry, thank you for joining us on Under the Weather. It's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. First of all, I guess we want to just ask, when did you start looking into ice? Has ice always been a passion of yours? Ice has not always been a passion of mine, but I've been working in climatology now for three decades. And most of my research has been in the area of reconstructing past climates. But I've had the opportunity over that same time interval to spend considerable uh, weeks and months in the Antarctic and the Arctic. And that, of course, is the domain of ice. And over the decades, I've been watching the ice shrink. And so it has become a a passion by being witness to uh, the diminishing ice over the globe. Henry, how important is ice? to the world weather? Well, ice plays a role, and it, uh, it's a re- very reflective material. And in the Arctic in particular, where it covers the Arctic Ocean completely in the wintertime uh, and then shrinks, uh, shrinks back in the uh, summertime, uh, you, if you have less ice, you're reflecting less of the incoming sunshine away, and instead you're absorbing it in the darker seawater. So the uh, ocean water is warming in the Arctic. That means that it freezes later in the fall and uh, doesn't uh, last as long in the spring because it's a little bit thinner. And so we're, we're seeing the uh, loss of ice there as changing the, the character of the Arctic Ocean uh, considerably. So it's, uh, it is having its effects, but as I... Uh, I also want to emphasize that what happens in the Arctic doesn't stay in the Arctic. It it gets exported uh, via changes in ocean currents, via changes in atmospheric circulation, and some of the uh, unusual weather that we're having, uh, certainly that you've been having in the UK, uh, is probably due to the fact that the Arctic is warming considerably and it's making uh, weather patterns uh, penetrate further south. And I should say warmer patterns penetrating further north. It's becoming much wavier in its characteristics and in locations. And what are we currently observing in the changes in the Arctic sea ice? Well, certainly the Arctic sea ice is uh, very rapidly changing. Ever since we've had satellites overhead to be able to take a, a complete picture of the Arctic Ocean area, we've had very good um, statistics on the amount of wintertime sea ice, the maximum extent, and the summertime sea ice, the minimum extent. And both are diminishing over the decades since we've been making these observations. The summertime sea ice is diminishing most rapidly, and it's right now about half of its area that it was in 1980. It's half of its thickness that it was at that time. And if the rate of loss of summertime sea ice continues, uh, we'll see an ice-free Arctic Ocean uh, before mid-century, probably for the first time in human history. So it's very dramatic. Is there a a tipping point when it comes to ice melt? Is there a point when you go, 
actually, there is no going back. That This is the event horizon where we won't see ice again. I think that varies from place to place. Uh, in, in terms of Arctic sea ice, uh, we're, we're probably past that tipping point now. In the case of uh, the ice uh, pack on Greenland, uh, there's a little more time before that becomes irreversible. And in the Antarctic, uh, it's even a little more time than that, simply reflecting that the Antarctic is the, the major location of ice. Greenland is in second place, so to speak. And then all the mountain glaciers and other places where we find ice uh, make up a very small fraction of the total ice on Earth. Antarctica is the biggest. Greenland is next. And then uh, lots of uh, permafrost is another place where we find ice in the subsurface, and that's also diminishing in the Arctic area. And obviously, we can see that happening. And I think that's a, a really good, important part about the, the subject of ice is that actually it is tangible and it is visible. It is indeed. And uh, in, in a sense, uh, going to the Arctic or the Antarctic exposes you to these changes very visibly. But not a lot of people get to go to the Arctic or the Antarctic. And so some people feel that it's a, you know, oh, it's you know, far away and it's remote and that it doesn't really uh, affect me very much. But in fact, as, as I've uh, m- mentioned, what happens in the Arctic and the Antarctic doesn't stay there and it is having a, a global effect. The wildlife, uh, you know, senses the change and tries to adjust. And in the Arctic, it's not just wildlife. Uh, the Arctic uh, has a human population. There's about 4 million people who live north of the Arctic Circle. And they are, of course, experiencing uh, these changes as well. I recall a, a hunter who I met in the Arctic, and he had a, a team of dogs and a dog sled, and he fed them. Uh, He had to shoot a seal a week to feed his dogs. Well, the seals are are disappearing because there's no sea ice nearby to to have their breeding cycle take place. And without the seals, he says, yes, I could go to the grocery store. That's the interesting Mm -hmm. contrast. The, the, I could go to the grocery store and, and you know, spend 25 pounds or whatever uh, on dog food, but I can't afford that. I, I'm going to have to give up my dogs uh, soon because of the warming of the Arctic. Mm-hmm. I found that a, a very yeah. touching story of how climate change is affecting real lives, real people, and uh, real cultures. Can we talk numbers here about... If all the ice melted on planet Earth, first of all, how high would sea level rise and how many people around the world would be affected by that? The total water uh, mass contained in Earth's big ice sheets, if it was all put back into the ocean, would raise sea level 80 meters. And so anyone who lives at sea level, and and most of the large cities of the world are at sea level, uh, would not recognize their home with an 80-meter sea level rise. It would actually relocate the shoreline uh, inland many kilometers, uh, depending, of course, on the shape of the uh, terrain. But the, the alterations to the shoreline are profound under an 80-meter change. Uh, even if you just lose the ice from Greenland, 
which is about six or seven meters worth of sea level, that would be dramatic as well. So we're talking big cities here that are placed or located by the coast. So we're talking Tokyo, Jakarta, Shanghai, London, Mumbai. I mean, millions of people displaced, millions. Uh, absolutely right. Millions of people. And uh, it's uh, and of course, sea level is, you know, it's the major consequence, to be honest. It's, it's the big player in the uh, climate consequences uh, category. We're talking about mostly developed world cities there, but think about places such as Bangladesh, which has, I don't know how many millions of people, but pretty much the whole of that country would be underwater. And so there's a big issue economically and also for displacements of huge populations of people. And they're the people who will suffer much more than us having to head inland. You're absolutely right. You've described Bangladesh. That's the uh, the delta, essentially, of the Ganges River. And the uh, delta areas are very, very low-lying regions with very little slope to them. And they're often heavily uh, populated because it's good agricultural land. Uh, certainly, the Ganges Delta uh, is one, but the Nile Delta is another. And the Mississippi Delta in the USA is yet another that is already suffering inundation. And, uh, and of course, it leads to a loss of agricultural land as the salt water intrudes. And the, the movement of people, the displacement of people is, is a very big social consequence of sea level rise. It's not all physical. Uh, there's immense social consequences as major cities have to face up to the uh, impending sea level rise. Henry, so the, the theoretical there of if we lost all the ice on Earth, and that, you know, we'll talk about what might happen raising the sea levels by eight meters. But let's talk realistically now. The IPCC report suggesting that our Earth is going to warm by two to three degrees Celsius by the end of the century. What impact is that going to have? The IPCC gives a range of uh, possible. Uh, pathways to the future, depending on humanity responds to uh, our attempts to mitigate climate change. But on the business as usual, uh, which is effectively a no mitigation uh, scenario into the future, uh, you're looking at something like uh, five to six meters of sea level rise. And uh, that is just within the century. And that includes some of the uh, ice off of Greenland uh, coming uh, into the sea as well. So we are we're looking at a non-trivial rise in sea level, uh, rising, of course, from a non-trivial change in the global mean temperature of the Earth. And that's all within the lifetime, at least, of our grandchildren or, or, or such and uh, easily foreseeable as a, a major catastrophe. Another question for you, and one of particular concern, I suppose, because we all need fresh water to live. If all the ice melted on Earth, would that reduce the amount of fresh water which is within the hydrological cycle? It certainly would reduce the amount of fresh water, and you don't uh, need to wait very long because it's the, the high mountain ice uh, that is going first. Uh, th those are like alpine glaciers or glaciers in the Himalaya or the Andes. And those are already uh, losing ice dramatically. It's a seasonal melt, mostly in the summertime. 
somewhat replenished in the winter by new snowfall. But uh, that uh, loss of mountain glaciers, uh, the people who rely on mountain glaciers for their water, for instance, in the agriculture regions uh, west of the Andes in South America, in Peru and uh, Chile, uh, that's their drinking water, it's their uh, municipal water, it's their agricultural water. And if that disappears, as it will, if the loss of mountain glaciers continues as it's doing today, you lose all of those uh, ecosystem services that nature provides for us. And without agricultural, municipal, and domestic water, uh, that's a, a big challenge. Uh, that's going to be a, a challenge that would require all kinds of new ways of creating fresh water, perhaps desalination of seawater, which of course is not inexpensive, but it would, would totally change the pattern of water availability uh, in the rain shadow of the Andes Mountains. And do you see that as something that's going to happen, it's just a matter of time, or do you think there are steps to try and reverse that potential disaster? The steps at reversing amount to slowing down climate change. And even that is limited because were we to somehow stop all climate change uh, forcings today, which means basically uh, cutting back on all greenhouse gas emissions, cutting them back to zero, even if we were to do that today, we would still have climate change because of all the greenhouse gases that have already been emitted into the atmosphere over the past, uh, well, since the Industrial Revolution, really, and of course, particularly in the 20th century. So we call that the climate commitment. That's the commitment that we have already made to climate change. And that's going to take place even if we would completely uh, cease making new greenhouse gas emissions uh, today. So yes, we're, we're going to have some inevitability. It's not clear exactly the full extent of that, uh, but most people think that the mountain glaciers are, are very likely uh, to go, particularly in, in uh, mid-latitude mountains like the Alps, where already they're, they're laying out white blankets over the, the glaciers too in the summertime to reflect sunshine away and preserve the ice and the, and the ski areas and such that depend on uh, a good good winter coverage. So we're already seeing the effects and they're uh, certainly going to continue throughout this century. Uh, whether or not all the mountain ice is gone, I'm not going to say, but it's certainly the most vulnerable. This is Under the Weather, the podcast for curious meteorological minds. I'm Simon King with Claire Nazir, and in this episode, the climate change expert, Henry Pollack. We mentioned earlier about the tipping point in the Arctic. What would the weather be like in parts of the world if there was no ice? What sort of weather would we have, do you think? We're getting a preview of it right now because as the Arctic warms, and I might point out that the Arctic is warming about twice the rate of the global average. And as the Arctic warms, the, the temperature difference between the equatorial and polar regions is diminishing. And it, particularly in the northern hemisphere where the Arctic is warming so dramatically. And that temperature difference between the polar region and the equator uh, does have an effect on weather 
at all latitudes. When the jet stream has a bend to the south, uh, it allows the polar air to penetrate much further south, and that's what Europe is experiencing uh, in this harsh winter. Uh, it's sometimes uh, so cold in the southern USA, for instance, on just a couple of years ago, when I was coming back from the Antarctic in January, it was colder in Atlanta, Georgia, one of the southern USA states. It was colder in Atlanta than it was in Antarctica. We've seen it here a lot through forecasting through the winter 17 to 18. Um, the jet stream has been so amplified. There's been certain parts of Europe which have had been blighted by a huge amount of rain over and over again. It's been relentless and there's patterns of weather haven't shifted. And that's a key factor of this, isn't it? Because the jet stream becomes buckled and then you get this almost like this Groundhog Day effect where you see you know, either high pressure or low pressure, just staying where it is. And the jet stream is spending more time moving north and south in these big loops and less time moving from west to east. And so it seems to be stationary over the geography for long periods of time, days, weeks. And uh, that's certainly noticeable to meteorologists everywhere. Uh, They're the ones who deal with it day by day. And uh, that's so apparent and so different. Henry, so we've, we've talked quite a bit about the atmospheric effects of no ice. But before we go, can you just help us with a definitive answer to the question, how long could we survive without ice? I think that uh, humankind will survive without ice. Uh, that's uh, the adaptability of humans uh, to a warmer world. Uh, is certainly uh, within the grasp, I think. But it, it will, we will survive, but not in the way that we have uh, evolved or become accustomed to. Uh, we've gone over already the impacts of uh, sea level change and shoreline migration. We, we will survive, but not in the way that we have been accustomed to living over the, the modern era. People will have to move. Agricultural patterns are going to change. Uh, Some people who may have been hunters uh, will become some other form of employment. It'll have big changes on people. And to the extent that humanity is able to adapt, we will survive. But it'll be a real challenge and uh, it'll take a, a lot of attention, a lot of our uh, financial resources to do that. And it'll be a challenge to our way of government and, and so many other factors in association with that. So I think, yes, we will survive, but it'll be a very different world that we uh, have been challenged to adapt to. I'm moving to the Highlands of Scotland, I think. Yes, do, do, do the migration now before <laughs> yeah, you're forced absolutely. to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Henry, thank you so much for joining us on uh, Under the Weather. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. Thank, thank you. you. It's been my pleasure. Under the Weather was presented by me, Simon King and Claire Nazir and was produced by Ronan Breen and Stuart Morgan. Next time on Under the Weather. It would be a horrible catastrophe if nuclear weapons were ever used. If you're in the middle of a continent without an ocean to moderate the temperature, temperatures could get below freezing, and it would also be dark, and it would be dry, the hydrological cycle would be reduced. But this temperature contrast between a cold continent and a warm ocean might produce huge storms along the coastline also. Subscribe to Under the Weather now for a new episode every Monday.